On this week's episode, Lee Griffin flies to Florida. So like today, we were going to Jacksonville, Daytona Beach is an alternate. Scott Boris talks into his beer can instead of his microphone, so we have no idea what he said. An alternate is with yeah. the main airport you're flying to. Yes. So, you may, you know, it's always good to have an alternate. And I forget what I'm talking about. Like, the weather's good enough for this this part. Uh, this part. Yeah, the thing I just described with the, the one, two, three rule yes. you mentioned. Welcome to this week's episode of the program. Uh, we are covering FAR 91.167, Fuel Requirements for Flight in IFR Conditions. If you look back through our back catalog, you'll see when we had somehow less talent than we do now even, we did an episode on the VFR Fuel Requirements. If I were a prudent podcast host, uh, I would have looked up that number for reference to say it right now. But I, I, I didn't. I just know we had one. Um, Pretty good, right? Right. Good. Yeah. Solid intro. Rocking it. Uh, Makes sense. Nailing it. Part A. We'll get right into it. So obviously this is the fuel you have to legally have on board for um, for IFR uh, conditions. Uh, Instrument flight rules conditions. Part A. No person may operate a civil aircraft in IFR conditions unless it carries enough fuel parentheses, considering weather reports and forecasts and weather conditions, to one, complete the flight to the first airport of intended landing. That's very similar to the VFR. Uh, Except as provided in paragraph B of this section, fly from that airport to the alternate airport. And three, fly after that for 45 minutes at normal cruising speed, or for helicopters, fly after that for 30 minutes at normal cruising speed. So, we uh, 45 minutes, that's the same as VFR night requirements. That's kind of the, uh, they're up in the ante, that 45 minutes of extra fuel, uh, because in a lot of ways, I guess, IMC conditions are similar to night conditions. You just want that extra 15 minutes. Yeah, a little and, parallel there, huh? Yeah, and the, the disclaimer before we get started, 45 minutes, VFR, IFR, or VFR night, IFR conditions, that's... Have more than that. These are legal minimums. I just want to get that out right at the beginning. Uh, we're talking legal minimums. This is what the FA is like. We got to put this in so that really dumb people don't go even lower than these. But most intelligent people try to do a little bit more of a buffer in in most just, operations. I'd just say don't fly an instrument. That is another another good point. But we are trying to cover but even 91. VFR. Would still have 30 yes. minutes. Yes, so. still. So they're asking for 15 more minutes. Yes. Um, so first airport of intended landing, and then except for part B of the section, fly that airport to an alternate airport. Alternate airports. That's a... Mm-hmm. Might be a new concept for people, because the VFR requirement didn't... That doesn't get into alternate airports, does it? Mm-mm. It doesn't. There's nothing mentioned about. It. So this may be some people's first exposure to the term alternate airport, which is yeah. basically just what it sounds like. A plan on an alternate yeah. the main yeah. airport you're plan flying to. Airport. Yes. So you may, you know, it's always good to have an alternate. I mean, I would encourage VFR pilots to at least have an exit strategy. There's just a lot more assuming if you really are in VFR conditions, you have a lot more leeway under IFR. They're assuming you, what, what the question is, what are you using the alternate for? Like what is so bad or what's wrong at the destination? The intent, the first point of intended landing that you need an alternate. So just, just, go through that metal process and that, that would kind of shed some light on why um, the alternate is so important when we start talking about IFR. Yes. Alternate airports are good, even if you're not legally required to have one. Which uh, is this part B, which was mentioned just a moment ago in the alternate airport segment of the reg. This is exclude. This is the conditions where you don't need to apply to, uh, to the, the airport alternate. 
Uh, paragraph A2 of this section does not apply if. That's the, uh, the section that just mentioned alternate airport. Uh, one part 97 of this chapter prescribes a standard instrument approach procedure to or a special instrument approach procedure has been issued by the administrator to the operator for the first airport intended landing and to appropriate weather reports or weather forecasts or a combination of them indicate the following. So before we go into what the following indicates, part 97, what is that? That's just the, uh, like the CFRs that basically is instrument approach procedures. Okay. For, for public airports. Gotcha. And then, uh, or a special instrument approach procedure has been issued by the administrator to the operator for the first airport of intended landing. Yeah. So it was like special instrument approach procedures. So like there's an airport, um, where there's, there's airports, like there's several in Florida actually, where you can get special permission um, to operate in and out of, it's not a public, it's not a public instrument approach, but they have them built for that specific airport. That's maybe one example of a special instrument approach procedure, but here they're talking about a special instrument approach procedure that's been issued by the administrator. So like, let's say you're an operator, like a, a high volume operator with a lot of money, I guess. And you can, you can basically build your own instrument approach procedure somewhere you go often and you have a need, it helps you from a efficiency standpoint or just kind of a overall system optimization of your aircraft and your flight crew, you've built and prove to the FAA a certain instrument approach procedure for a specific airport that maybe otherwise doesn't have one. That would be the only one. Like something comes to mind where like NetJets kind of pioneered, like back in the day, they pioneered, I don't want to call them necessarily instrument approach procedures because they're not a terminal procedure, but they uh, kind of pioneers a certain type. I guess I'm I'm not an expert on it, but they proved they could use a certain uh, they could run certain routes a certain way. I mean, I know I'm being ambiguous, but they proved the FAA something they could do that was an efficiency enhancement for them, and they were allowed to use it. The FAA was like, "Oh, you've proven you can safely conduct this operation routinely." Green light. Yes, I, um, I literally, I don't know what it's called. Sounds pretty advanced. Um, it, it is in my list of episode ideas to do with Cochran at some point, because I know he he deals with that more in, in his position, where he's like, has to know it uh, to possibly explain some of that stuff. So stay tuned for that. I don't even know what we would describe that as, because not Lee and I and Scott don't even know what to call it. Nope. Um, where what? I'd be interested to know what it is that they're doing too. That that is kind of special. As far, what do you mean? Well, like what Jack is doing. That's 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 special. Like what FlexJet is doing. That's oh yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if it. I don't even know if it's that the current one. It's just some of his past employers. He's he somehow ended up in the room when a lot of this stuff went down. Just by mm. random kind of happenstance and him being smart. And he he got an MBA before he got back into aviation. Like once you have the MBA, I feel like they just put you in different positions. Yeah. Which he should be. He's a smart guy, but like. Oh, very. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know. That's a whole nother topic with companies viewing the MBA. But no, good for him. So we're going to break down. The one, two, three rule, basically. Okay, part I, for aircraft other than helicopters, for at least one hour before and and for one hour after the estimated time of arrival, the ceiling will be at least 2,000 feet above the airport elevation, and the visibility will be at least three statute miles. So, you have the alternate airport requirement on your instrument flight not only are they bumping it up to night requirements 45 minutes of vfr they're also adding a a an extra dimension to it where you have to be able to fly to the airport you're intending to fly to have an alternate 
that you have to calculate the time it's going to take you to go to that alternate. And then after you would reach that alt- that alternate in your calculations, you got to fly thereafter for 45 minutes. That just broke down when you don't have to have that alternate, correctly? Yes. You have to meet all that criteria you just listed in order to not file an alternate. And which which means you don't need the 45 past the alternate because you're not filing an alternate. So you need to be able to go to your destination. If it meets all the criteria you just said, you need to have you need to land with 45 minutes of fuel. So it almost simulates or parallels the VFR. The VFR night, like you said. If you have that instrument approach procedure, the weather is better than 2003, 2,000 foot ceiling and three miles of visibility, one hour before to one hour after. You can just Go to your destination and have 45 more minutes of fuel if the weather is good enough. You deal with this in the day-to-day. Could you put a, a percentage, just a rough estimate percentage of how often when you are doing the planning you have to have the alternate just in your day-to-day? Maybe winter, maybe a winter percentage and a summer percentage because I'm sure it's different. Um, I find, So let me preface that. I file an alternate every single time. It's just it's partially habit, and it's a couple more buttons for me to click. It's no skin off my back, and it kind of forces me when I'm doing pre-flight planning. If I'm filing an alternate, my mind is like, okay, I need to get in tune with what's going on at that alternate. So I'll check the weather there, check the notums there, and I feel like it does get me a little bit more in the groove as to what's happening all because we do need to be familiar with everything you know in our in our flight so when i when i include an alternate i i do check the notams there i do check the weather there because it doesn't make any sense to file it if i don't know if it's not even usable to me that would be pretty pretty uh embarrassing if i picked an alternate that the runway is too short and i can't land there anyways or the runway is closed or whatever it is um, but the when when I need when I legally need the one two three rule to file an alternate. Oh man, in the man thirty percent of twenty twenty percent thirty percent of the time, less than that. I don't know how much it really. Maybe a little bit less than that, even in the summer. Yeah, it's, assume it would fluctuate summer months versus winter months. I haven't thought of it in terms like that. So, you know, I'm on the spot. So, you know, maybe 20% in the summer, 30% in the winter, then maybe that's a good, maybe that's a good example. You know, today I went and flew today, needed it for one of the legs. We needed, we needed the, that, that would have applied this, this, this applied to our, one of our flights today. Two leg out of, we did two legs today on one of them, 50% of the legs. This rule applied. Okay. You were down in Florida too, and we had weather today in Florida. Was it? Yeah, Florida? and it was North Florida too. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jacksonville. So. Got it. Got it. Um. So yeah, that's another example. So, you do you ever get into situations where you need to take you need to have less fuel on board where that wouldn't apply to have more passenger weight where you wouldn't be able to file an alternate. For fun, like not for fun, but like as extra precaution. I happen to be in an airplane right now where it's not a super consideration. We're pretty much for the type of operations we're doing. You know, it's pretty much always a like a top off. You know, and other other things. But yeah, for the most part. Um, so you're trying to describe a scenario where. You need you you have so much weight in passengers and baggage that you can't take enough fuel to go nonstop to your destination and also land with your IFR minimum fuel. Is that what you're trying to describe? Um, you load up with passengers and baggage to the point where you said you always file an alternate anyway. Yes. Where is there a situation where? You basically said you don't, you're not flying, you're not packing the plane full of passengers in the operations you're doing. So you have that that luxury. Let's say you you did have like full passengers, full baggage, and it is legal to do so. Yes. Um, to like the weather's good enough for this this part. Uh, 
this part. Yeah, the thing I just described with the the one two three rule you mentioned. Yes, and that so that that kind of boils down to where is your alternate. So if you if you pick an alternate that's super close, there's there's a risk that it would have the same weather that stopped you from getting into the first airport. That's one risk, and that's up to you to accept. Like let's say you're trying to you know with a smaller aircraft. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily smaller, but we have a pretty well-performing airplane. It it, it it can cruise fast, it can go pretty far, but it can also land reasonably short. So airports that might not have an ILS, but have like a VOR or a GPS or something like that, that might not get us down quite to the minimums we want, we can still land there, which is cool and it's good for our passengers. But that can be limiting if the weather isn't that good. We That approach may not get us low enough to, to actually be able to land there. So, but that's a satellite airport to, you know, a class Delta airport that has an ILS or whatever that's only 10 miles away. That's a good alternate that that may get us down, you know, just the next, you know, 100 or 200 extra feet that we can make it in. So in that case, that's a good alternate. That that That's a workable. And then that doesn't require that much more fuel. It almost is, it's a very little extra fuel than let's say if you had an alternate that is, 45 minutes from your destination and then you need another 45 minutes that would start to take have a huge requirement on fuel but if you have an alternate that's 10 minutes away and then 45 minutes that's not a huge drain on your on your fuel capacity does that does that make sense is that kind of obviously yeah um so like today we were going to jacksonville daytona beach is an alternate 15 minute flight, whatever it is, you know, by the time it's all said and done, 15 minute flight and then 45 minutes. It's not like we said, hey, uh, West Palm or, you know, Palm Beach is going to be our alternate. That would be, you know, obviously very prohibitive from a fuel consumption standpoint. How do you determine? Is is that is that how you decide? Is that how you always decide how much fuel you put on? Like how how? Uh, the alternate situation. Like, do you do you try to get it close to minimum, or do you just top it off? I mean, in this airplane, we're pretty close to minimum. So you you if you're going to you Florida, try, you don't you don't want to put more fuel on than you need. Basically, within reason, yes. And so the way so Rob kind of hit it. You're getting at it, Scott. Rob kind of said it before. This is the legal minimum. Right. So then, what you whatever additive you put on that kind of becomes, and the FAA has a name for it: minimum extra fuel. This is the regulation. These are IFR fuel requirements or reserves, whatever. But then, if you say, "Hey, these are the legal minimums," and then you add a little extra, when you land, what you land with, which is this forty-five minutes, this and the way I look at it, this is fuel to be used. Because and I, I want to say this now, and I know I just keep talking and talking and talking. This is fuel to be used. This is a planning number. This is good for planning. And so it says here, uh, carry enough fuel can sit in parentheses, considering weather reports and forecasts and weather conditions. And then somewhere else it'll probably say a combination. Yeah, down here too, appro- appropriate weather reports or weather forecasts or a combination of them indicate the following indicate. So in your pre-flight planning, the weather needs to say you need to be able to land there or, you know, the two th- one, two, three rule, all that. When those wheels, as long as it legally does say that when you're pre-flight planning at your estimated time of arrival, and then wheels leave the ground, all bets are off. At that point in time, this is fuel to be, this is 45 minutes of fuel to be used. Weather delays, ATC delays, whatever. Fuel to be used. Yeah, you don't want to use it. You know, you don't want to see those fuel gauges keep ticking down and down and down. But that's what it's that that's what it's there for. You know what? You know you don't want to land on fumes. But so minimum extra fuel. So if they say forty five minutes, maybe your maybe your reserves, like you kind of are alluding to, Scott, is an hour. Maybe it's you know an hour and a half. How close do you want to cut it? So. 
you know, the airplane I'm flying now, you know, on, you know, we're doing these very common trips down to Florida. It, it, it can get close. Now there's a ton of airports in Florida. So with, they can have widely ranging weather conditions. So that is a blessing in that regard. Um, the destination we're going to has a lot of availability for alternates and the weather conditions just 20 miles away can be vastly different. Um, so those all work in your favor, but um, we, we try to, we, we have, we have a little more than what this, than the, what this regulation requires typically, but not, not a lot and more. Who determines how much fuel to put level. on board? Do you do that every time? Or do the, they? the pilot in command does. Do? Okay. Yeah, at the airlines, dispatch will. And, you know, you can always... So, like, let's say the math shows you landing back, like, at the airlines, or I'm sure other oper- commercial operators other than just the airlines, you know, um, they'll tell you what the fuel load is. You're like, oh, man, that only has me landing with X amount. You know, we would go out to the fueler and just be like, hey, put on another 1,000 pounds. And then we'll just go text dispatch and be like, hey, this is how much fuel we have on board. Don't give them a reason. Short and sweet. Let them figure it out. Let them kick back your numbers for you for you to, yeah. to, to, to work off of. You know, it's we, we do that all the time. Some guys would say, so this plays into the, the what we're talking about. Some guys would go say, hey, they would just kind of almost BS the dispatchers. They'd be like, hey, you know, I don't want this as an alternate. Can we use this? And what that forces, that forces the legality of the minimum required fuel to complete the trip. They would, you know, they gave you an, a, a suitable alternate, but they're like, yeah, I want an alternate further away. So that makes the legal requirement amount of fuel higher. So they had a nice warm, fuzzy feeling. I never did that. I would just go out and tell the fueler at another thousand pounds, two thousand pounds. And I would just tell tell the dispatcher what what fuels on board. That was at the airline level. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now we just you know do do whatever we want. We don't have a ton of extra fuel like the, we did at the airlines. You could put on a ton of fuel at the airlines, and you never needed it, but you had a ton of capacity. Here, we don't have a ton of capacity. If we go from from Cleveland to you know like our common destinations West Palm or Fort Myers you know kind of coast to coast there in Florida we're always kind of going to that range there we're pretty much that, that's pretty much as far as we can go on one tank and be able to go to a good alternate and then 45 minutes that's pretty that's pretty much it and for the new listeners dying to know who wasn't familiar the Lear 40 right mhm okay yeah, so you're currently flying. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. I don't Another, edit all that out. It all sucked. I don't know. No, it's good. I I enjoyed it. I thought yeah, it was good. good. Very well, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Very um, very interesting. You said that with confidence, Scott. Scott, you hate all of this because it's IFR. Right. Yeah. Nobody cares about IFR. You shouldn't be flying in that shit anyway. I will say though that the all the equipment that's in the airplane makes it a lot easier than like going and flying an archer. I'm sure. You just like you don't you don't fly it any different whether it's VFR or IFR. If you can imagine that, like you seriously don't. Like yep. when you go take off and you go into the clouds at 200 feet, you don't even you hardly even notice. Because you you don't fly by the seat of your pants anymore. Yeah, I've had conversations with Cochran about this. One of them was on the on one of the episodes, uh, and he's just basically like, I fly jets more often. Obviously, he's he's higher up, so he doesn't fly that much. But when he does fly, it's jets, the Phenom now, and he's like, I get into like a non jet, and it's just he says it's like sometimes if it's been a while, it's like terrifying depending on what the weather's doing and stuff. Just because of the lack of resources of the smaller piston GA airplanes. Can you imagine taking off and not caring if an engine fails? Pretty much you borderline don't care if an engine fails. Conceptually, because I know 
Oh, not that I've flown one, but I know how they work. I can conceptually understand it, but no, I've never, I've never been in that position where I'm PIC and something that could do that. Yeah, it's 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 when you have that level of comfort and you have that redundant performance, redundant capability, and you have a very, I don't want to say it's a minimally, you know, um, a minimal impact to your safety margin. It's definitely an impact, but we train for that. And I, everything I've heard is that it's actually easier in the real airplane versus the simulator. I've heard that. I've always heard that. So, and I, and I, I mean, I believe it. You have the sensations are more realistic and more acute, so you can react and, and input uh, correspondingly. It's, we trained for it. And it's when you have that cushion and that mentality. When you go get into an airplane that's a single-engine piston or a twin-engine piston, and you realize none of that margin is there, none of that cushion is there, it is—it's scary. It's like, man, this—it's easy to think that a single-engine piston airplane is unsafe when you are so used to. I have fi- two fire extinguishers on each engine, and I have two engines that are capable of still allowing me to climb at fifteen hundred feet a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you, I lo- yeah. if we lose an engine in Lear, I mean, unless you're like on a hot day in Denver, I can still. I bet. I bet we can still climb two thousand feet a minute. Like today, when we took off out crazy. of Cleveland, if we would have lost, and we st- still could have climbed two thousand feet a minute on one engine, it's mind boggling. When we do our high and hot altitude training in uh, Denver in the simulator, I think we still get nine hundred feet per minute on one engine. Wow. So when you're used to that, it's easy to kind of become a little bit of a, a wuss, you know? Yeah, it's all. What I think too with that stuff is the icing capability. Like we've we've done icing episodes in the past, and we need to redo those. Maybe this season already because those so early in our broadcasting <laughs> repertoire that we were pretty. The, the episodes are horrible. I don't recommend going and listen to them. The the i the de-icing capability of jets is like any any icing, yeah, it, or yeah any icing, it's like it works for lack of a better term. Where like the GA stuff, yeah, it's certified known. Even if it's certified known ice, it's like it's still like the Toys R Us brand of like a de-icing or anti-ice equipment. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's. It's still, even if you would certified no nice and you paid a ton of money for it, it's still like for emergency situations, like you don't go known, like if you know you're going to be building up ice, you still shouldn't fly that plane in there, even though you paid an extra 50 grand or however much money for that system. Yeah. It's, it's still like an emergency backup, like you accidentally somehow ended up in ice and it's better than nothing. Right, 100%. Where, like, where the jets, it's actually like functionally operational equipment that works. Yeah, like like ice doesn't even. Now I've never gotten into severe ice or anything in a, in a uh, you know transport category. I've never run in severe ice ever, but it doesn't even get your heart rate up. It's a non-event. Now you get to severe ice, and I'm sure it matters. I'm sure it matters, but you got to use your head. ATC is typically going to tell you somebody somebody ahead of you probably reported it already. You got to use your head. Don't spend time and do a shallow descent into that thick layer of ice where there's severe ice reported. Don't do that. Stay high. Tell them you're going to do that. If they told you that it's severe ice, which they would, and you you you're suspecting that, stay high. Dive through it. Go through to three thirty five hundred feet a minute. Spoilers out. Whatever you need to do. Just get through it, and you're good. You know, NASA said the difference, like between ice, getting ice and not getting ice, is like three thousand feet on average. So, yeah. you know, if if you're in a layer, you know, you're like seven to seven to four or something like that. Just stay at seven, you know, eight thousand or you know, right at the tops until the last minute when ATC lets you vertical speed down 3,500 feet a minute, plow right through it, get to where there's no ice again. It'll sublimate off. Might not even know you had any by the time you land. Yeah. That's, 
and that's a that's a technique thing, but that's that's kind of thinking ahead. I mean, obviously, you're going to start. You're probably going to be very creative and inventive, and and recall some things and devise a plan to minimize the ice accretion. Um, if if ATC has reported severe ice, you'll probably start thinking like that. But I've never had severe ice in the real world. You know, light light and moderate is all I've ever gotten. Doesn't even get your heart rate up. Don't even really think about it. And and remember, it enunciates when you're picking up ice on all these airplanes now. You have a, a probe out there that vibrates at like 60 hertz. And when it picks up ice, it changes the vibrational frequency. And it will enunciate ice detected. And if you don't have your anti-ice on already, it'll be amber. Meaning, hey, dummy, turn your anti-ice on. Which you'll do. And if you did have it on, it'll just be a white status message. It's pretty, I don't know if that makes any, or if you care, but yeah. That makes sense. I think there's just, um, what I've, what I learned, I didn't always know this. It took a climbing some of the aviation pillars and, and being around it for a while. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about if you have like a, like a GA airplane, it's certified known ice and your instrument rated. I think people overestimate what their capabilities are. Like earlier on, like non-professional pilots, they're like, "Oh, I'll get an instrument rating and I'll get a you know Cirrus. Cirrus has a certified known ice, right?" I think yep. so. Yep. Yeah. So they're like, "Oh, I'll get my instrument rating. I'll get that. You know, I'll pay the money, get that certified known ice Cirrus, and I'll be able to just basically, you know, not have hardly any limitations. It's like the not hardly the the hardly any limitations level I think people give in their minds that costs millions and millions of dollars to get to that level in aircraft, not not the Cirrus known ice or I, I don't mean to pick on Cirrus, but you know any any of the other like GA known ice airplanes. I think it's yeah. it's something that's like yeah they're incredibly expensive. They do give you some more capabilities, but yeah, I think it. You know, need to take a sober pill here and realize you're not going to be running uh, the same operations that je- when jets are still running. Like, there's jets going to be safely running, and then you are going to be a complete moron if you take off. Yeah, that very well said. Very well said. And like you said, we're not knocking Cirruses. It's a high performance aircraft, and would I love to have one? Sure. You know, but it's got limitations. You're going to be cruising around at eight, ten thousand feet, which is where ice exists. And if you could climb a little higher, I might feel differently. You know, of course, there's turbo series too, but you know, you're going to be living in a lot of the region where heavy ice can exist. And not only are you just climbing through it, you're going to fly at cruise in those icing layers. So it's just. I mean, they're highly capable airplanes, but compared to a 172, not compared to a 737. I think that's probably yeah a, a great analogy. Yeah, there's a reason people spend, who have the money, spend 10, 20, 30 million dollars on a jet because it gives you that, that capability. Like yes. To, and then and paying pilots on salary who have combined hours five figures 10,000 hours typically in a jet you have between the pilot and copilot you have like almost 10,000 hours right yeah 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 of professional pilot experience up there i don't even know how many hours i have anymore i haven't done my oh. logbook in years you're over 7,000 though right i got i i would imagine i am yeah and then the fo is usually Two or three thousand minimum on a jet. Yeah, the, yeah, it's it's the the only the the lowest time guy in 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 the in the fleet that I'm flying. He's got twenty four hundred hours. Okay, we're getting there. Ninety four hundred, pretty close to your ten. Yeah, that's all I got. I thought this was going to go longer, and the last week's episode I thought was going to be shorter, which is <laughs> interesting. Just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, we. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a lot to add for this. 
this conversation. I'm picking up on that, Scott. Picking up on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't. You I couldn't just haven't had to... enough beer yet. You haven't had no, enough tequila in you. Oh, no. I will never have enough tequila in me. I don't drink tequila. <laughs> unless, don't, unless it's the only thing I have. You say you, you've gone to the store and and your tequila reserves are not in risk of being consumed tonight. No, I, I don't have any tequila. I drank the rest of it that time that I didn't have anything else to drink. Oh, you down the bottle. Okay. It was a, a quarter of a beautiful. bottle. Not even. An eighth. That's still a lot that, of tequila. That's a lot of tequila. That's more tequila than I uh, ever want to do. Scott, of a, Rob, Scott's of a, liver might be bigger than yours. Maybe. Might be. Yeah. Might be. <laughs> a, um, Have you seen my Indian's pillow? <laughs> that's what I keep thinking of. Don't. What's that? No, we're stopping here. Five star written review time. On that note, this was left to us on uh, Christmas Eve, 2020. I just noticed December 24, 2020. It's showing uh, five stars. Good stuff. Y'all are a fun dynamic, and I am fond of the Lake Erie flying stories, but the podcast needs more factual info and actual discussion of the regs. Parentheses, thanks, Lee, to make it worthwhile listening for one to two hours. Um, yeah, good good criticism. I think yes, last week's it. episode, it should be one hour-ish. This episode, I think, will be less than an hour. This ended up being short. We're trying to alternate back and forth. Um, and I would like some feedback on this. Uh, every other week, do the kind of the long, longer ones, and then the non-long weeks, which would be opposite every other week, yeah. would be uh, would be shorter format. Uh, that's mainly because it allows production process on my end to flow more smoothly. Um, but yeah, that would yeah, we're uh, we're thinking of it. But yeah, thanks, Lee. It's a, a tip of the hat to Mr. Griffin there. I appreciate it. I try. I try. Of the information. Um, Good job. I Good job, just Lee. run the show and Scott just... I just uh, yeah, chime Scott. in whenever uh, I feel like saying something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's Mountain MTN Dan with a bunch of twos. MTN Mountain, I assume Mountain Dan. Thanks, Mountain Dan, for the five-star review. Yes, sir. Thank you. If you have any more to add, send us an email, our preferred method of communication. Uh, my email is F-A-R-A-I-M at RobertBerger.com. B-E-R, G-E-R, the German way, not the sandwich way. Mr. Griffin is F-A-R-A-I-M at LeeGriffin.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G. And Scott is F-A-R-A-I-M at ScottBoris.com, B-O-R-E-S. That's all we have for this week. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Thanks, guys. Yep, thanks. Ninety-one, one sixty-seven, baby. Yes. Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm buzzed, so should be all right. Uh, buzz with a big old liver. Uh, <laughs> You're not gonna be buzzed for long with the size of that thing. It's gonna clear that alcohol out of you in two seconds. <laughs> You're gonna need to go in for liver reduction surgery, and when they ask why, just be like, "Uh, because I want to get drunk again." I'm... Um.
pounding a bottle a week here. What's the, right? catch a buzz? Like, I gotta slam alcohol all day just to get drunk. Like I seriously need this thing reduced. I wanna put. I wanna get. I wanna get Gandhi a uh, cat scan just to see if his liver's bigger. And then we'll we should all get my... cat scans. See who's got the biggest liver. See who's got the biggest liver. That's right. It'll be a I remember, contest. I remember back in the day, Eamon got his liver checked, and they were like, "Oh, your liver's brand new." And we were all like, "What the? F-? Like, how does this guy have like?" We're all like, "How does he have a perfect liver?" <laughs> they told him he had the liver. He, they told him he had a liver of an eighteen-year-old, and we're like, "What the? F-? Amen. Yeah, Man. yeah. When, he, that is when he was like, yeah, when we were like in our prime, like raging state, and he was like, I don't know, like late thirties, probably." And he'd been oh, drinking yeah. since he was like 15. He got his liver checked. Right. Like, you have the liver of an 18-year-old. It looks perfect. Hey, you know, how do you strengthen your heart? You do cardio. How do right. you strengthen your liver? You drink. Right. Exactly. Makes I don't sense. know if that's Rob's just getting a swell on. Rob's just getting a swell on. <laughs> Planet Fitness. I'm just going to go pound a <laughs> 12-er. Yep. Barely need to drink more. Right. Yep. Keep keep it going. Yep. Ugh. We gotta fuel the machine, Rob. That's it. Can't wait till we're going live. <laughs> we're not normally like we're not normally in the zone like this though. Right. Because I got a baby sleeping above me and shit going on. Ooh. I got a good night's sleep last night. It'll evolve, man. Like three years from now the show is gonna be better because you're gonna oh, be for more sure. well rested and for sure. Yeah. Ninety-one one six seven. Do it to it. All right, uh, hold on. Which okay. is actually perfect because this ties right into the uh, solo episode I just did. I'm like, with that, you couldn't buy all of Pele with that. Probably not. But I wouldn't think so. No, because you'd have to buy. But anyway, I mean, you'd have to buy out everybody individually, and some people would just be like, "I want, you know, a ridiculous amount of money." And so then you own a Canadian island. Good for you, right? You yeah, know what I, I mean, buy yeah. North Bass first. Yeah. You could turn North Bass into an awesome ass island. If you won that Mega oh, Millions, you could, you could actually buy North shit. Bass. There's nothing. But the state problem. owns most of it. Yeah, they probably won't sell it to you. Like 80, 80 90% of it now, don't really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, they, if you thought the state would sell, that'd be game-changing, I think. Yeah. Or just go it. one step beyond and go, west, go buy West Sister, see if they'll sell that. Yeah, I doubt it. That's, that's, not like, a, good, that's like a though. nature preserve. I know, but maybe that North Bass, I, I North know, Bass has potential to be like a, like a, like a Kelly's type of island if you did it right. You own the whole island. Oh, oh that'd be so awesome! Yeah, I dreamed about that as a kid, but then state bought it up, and there's probably no way to ever get them to sell. No, no. Not. Unless the government crashes, states lose yep. the money train. You know. Yeah, my, if the federal government ever becomes like so broke and they can't print money to get out of it because people don't want the dollars anymore, they'll have to sell land because they own like a shitload of land. Yeah, and like the Chinese will probably buy it all. That's true. Um, yeah, depressing. Uh, ninety-one point one six seven. On that positive yeah. note, yeah. yeah. Welcome this week of. Stellar. <laughs> Good few syllables. <laughs> two for two. <laughs> first, first three syllables are pretty damn good. Went downhill <laughs> from there. Wait, welcome hold on, to hold the on, podcast. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? I gotta put my neck brace back on. Oh, oh my god. god! I I thought Let's I was get you a copper fit neck gaiter. It's not. And neck some icy gator. hot. It's an inflatable neck pillow. Yeah, I know. I said let's get you a copper fit neck gaiter. I don't need one of those. You don't know. Do you know the benefits of a copper fit neck gaiter, Scott? Yeah, they don't do anything. Yeah, just keep pumping up your <laughs> pump there, Scotty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you have an enlarged liver. Scott's got a f***ing herniated disc or whatever the hell's going on. Neck. 
I got high cholesterol. Well, the doctor said, he said, I'm not your, go to a primary doctor. This isn't really my thing, but he's like, uh, the bigger liver might be because of high cholesterol. Huh. You have a primary doctor? doctor. No, I got to find one and then go see him or her. Ooh, her. Yeah. Preferably her. Who's like straight out of med school. Yes. Yes. I'll, you know. Correct. Work on getting a free healthcare plan. Yeah. Through marriage. <laughs> I, on an off note, I literally, uh, my buddy Steve's wife works in healthcare, and I'm trying to get her to explain to me, which she doesn't think this exists, but I know it does. I go, you need to find me a hospital that has a good residency program where the women doctors go out drinking and find me that bar that they all go drinking at. <laughs> After there should, yeah. be, a, there should yes. be an app for that. There should, yes. There should be an app. It's called what? Hello Nurse. That's what? the name of the Hello, Whoa. Hello Nurse. nurse. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, nurse wouldn't be bad. Hell no. Well, I'm going for doctor, though. Well, that didn't roll off the tongue as easy as Hello Nurse did, okay? Hello MD. <laughs> Hello, Hello YMD. Yes. And this is solely for like smucks to find female doctors. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Who are in residency. Because yes. they couldn't, they haven't been able to date in years because they were going through med school and now <laughs> they're, they're in residency. And now they're just looking <laughs> so for they're, No, they're starting to let loose a little bit and they need to meet me. No, no, no. At the fine. bar. No, no, no. Call it residence with a T for residence with a C. <laughs> what? What? I don't get it. I don't get it. Residence for a resident. Like, you need a resident for a place to live. Oh. Supposedly, most doctors. I guess that wasn't as funny. As supposedly, guys. most doctors are broke, though. Like, if you actually in the in the beginning, they are. Well, no, most of them are still broke for like forever. Their yeah. cost of their their quality of life is so high they can't live very long. If they lost their job, they well, make it a month or a couple of months. Well, that just depends on how like financially responsible. Well, yeah, but they most are. of them are not. Well, yeah, most the, of them are not though. But it, the it, hand they, they make the a lot handful of, money, of so. doctors. The handful yeah, but that doesn't do- make them wealthy. No, but they're, they're high high income income yeah. affluent. But that's what that's called. The, I they're, mean, they're Henrys. Out, outside of the 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 doctors we know in the aviation community, I'm pretty sure uh, the ones we know that they have other stuff going on. I think they're good. But like outside of those guys, the doctors like that I'm somewhat privy to their financials all seem broke as all get out. I think the doctors, I don't know what doctors you're thinking of. I mean, I edit whatever, but I think a lot of them are pretty close to broke too. Yeah. There's like one that I can think of that is probably pretty good, but. Really? We're probably thinking of the same one. I think the, old, the, the I, one. I think he's pretty good. For, yeah. I think that's more patents than, uh, can you, than can his you medical edit? practices. Can you. Well, I, I know who you I can edit anything. Okay. But I would say, like, I think is doing pretty good. You think he's doing well? Yeah, I think is doing pretty good. I would not consider that if he lost his job, how many months could he make it? Uh, that's kind of how I view wealth. Uh, that's, exa- think, that's exactly I bet, what wealth I is. bet you he wouldn't even need to work. Maybe. That Maybe. I was thinking. I was thinking of Doctor. When I'm well, I know. Yeah, I know. I yeah. Oh, yeah. He's but he's on a different. I mean, his is not just medical. He has other things going on. Oh, so one ninety one point one sixty seven. The I'm only about, problem is I have to go pee now. All right, well, I gotta go get another beer now. I think. So. Well, then I'm. Me a, too. I'm I drink. Well, yeah. I might as well pee while you guys are gone. All right. You might as well get it. another beer. You talk louder into your mic when you had a few, Scott. Listen, yeah, that's you true. Guys, you guys are amateurs. <laughs> I don't need to get another beer. This is the cooler, if you can't tell what it is. 
He is like watching a 60-year-old try and do a Zoom call. You're holding something up in front of the damn screen. We have no idea what it was. It's going to be live streamed soon. That's because my camera sucks. Okay, you guys are amateurs. This is the cooler. Oh, there you go. Now I can see. You pull that up. You set it next to you. This is a mug. This is a mug, Scott. You see my mug? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) (laughs) At some point, we're going to have to start focusing on the lighting and what's on the background of all of our setups. I think that's going to be a fun time. I think yeah, you, you, you guys can get the sucks. wives involved in this. My lighting sucks. Lee's got good lighting back there. I feel TM like wives might bright. like the decorating aspect of what's behind you. Help out with that. Um, yeah. 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 All right. We ready? We ready? We ready? ready. Wait, wait, I'm ready. Let me, my, go. let me get my neck pillow set up. Oh my god! This is the longest we've ever been recording and not started the episode. Yeah, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> I think that's it's definitely a record. Forty-one minutes of intending I mean, to start sh- and not. We should be yet. like we should be like almost done by now. Literally, it's a rec- it's a almost an episode length of bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. Yes. This is like deja vu. Yeah, right. This is what it this takes is, to sit this down. St- this is what it started. This is what started the 41 minutes of bullshit. You yep. having to pump up your my pillow. It's not a my pillow. If if they made an X pillow, I would buy one. We done pumping your pump? Yep. <laughs> You're right. I don't know why I added until next time. I never like I I feel like that's there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing Change wrong with that, a little bit. but I feel yeah. like I'm thinking of like some other person's sign-off. I don't know who it is, and I don't want to be copying someone who's not worth copying. You know what I, I mean? Like a lot of, You're I not copying like a lot anybody. Of, uh, You're blazing your I own I feel like trail. a lot of shows will say, until next time. How many shows? Yeah, it's kind of corny. Huh? Okay, I whatever. Like, I feel like it's not Nothing. that uncommon. What do you... Now, what do you... Doing masonry work, Scott? That's me, I think. Honestly, that's not me. There's a piece of dried ice cream on my bar. I just scraped off with this thing. Oh. Not even. It's like 9.30. Let's do a friggin' another one. Are you guys read and ready? I want to do another one. I need to pee, though. I want to do another one at the piss. Scott, you f***ed us last week. Going to bed. It's late. F*** you. You It's 9.30. Scott, you pick the episode. You gotta stay on, you fucking pussy. I gotta run in the morning. No, Scott. you fucking don't. You ditched us and you fucked up last weekend. Okay, who we fucked up the weekend we before? F- and who fucked up hey, the weekend I before did. that? And who fucked up every what? other weekend? Not me, Scott. <laughs> you motherfuckers. If we get this one in, that's four. We got four episodes in the right. bank. It's this gotta week. be a. Qu- it's gotta be a quick one. It's gotta be a quick one because I'm gonna fall asleep. Pick the topic. Holy I mean, whatever. Uh, shit, Scott. Uh, Scott, you'll be okay. It's 9.30. Do you got caffeine, Why please? The topic The topic is, no. The topic is, why do Rob and Lee suck so bad? And then we can just talk about how you guys suck. That's going to be a long episode, Scott. That's a I long thought you wanted, episode. I thought you wanted a short episode. A that lot of bullet points. I'll, I'll take the fucking yeah. bait, though.